1: Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Tuesday, October 15th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. If it's Tuesday, that can mean only one thing. Dwayne Long checks in from the capital city of Columbus. Dwayne, how goes it?
0: Oh, it's going real well. Uh, real, uh, uh, the weather's starting to change. We've got all that ninety stuff and uh, getting to some nice
1: fall weather. We're waking up to frost in the morning. It's, it's, uh, I'm happy. You cannot beat a crisp, clear morning in the fall in Ohio. Ohio State didn't have to worry about getting beat this weekend. They had the weekend off, but it was not without celebration. Ohio State received a commitment over the weekend from Ryan Watts, defensive back from Little Elm, Texas. The one-time Oklahoma commit, 6'2 a half, about 190 pounds. This could be the last addition to the secondary. Uh, A word we have is the only way they would add another defensive back if it would be an all-world player, probably Elias Ricks, should he want to flip from LSU. Your thoughts on Ryan Watts, certainly a bigger corner with a ton of potential.
0: Uh, This is just an out-and-out steal, Dan. Uh, I was not really familiar with the guy. He committed early to Oklahoma. Uh, I just was not paying attention And when it came up that he had decommitted and it seemed like Ohio State had become uh, a real player here, maybe even as leader, I said, okay, let me go over and look at this film. And I was absolutely just, I could not wipe the smile off my face that we could be getting this guy. He is a big corner. He looks a lot physically like uh, Jeff Okuda, just that big, long-framed kid that... uh, that plays even even uh fast for a smaller guy. I mean, he's he's got the feet, the hips, you watch this guy turn. He's also very aggressive. He is he he plays at uh in your face man defense. He is right on top of the guy, uh challenging him every second. Uh and he's also really outstanding tackler. He attacks a run. Uh, like Akuda does, like, uh, Marshawn Lattimore did before him. Uh, just guys realize that, uh, to be a complete corner, you've got to be a guy that gets out there on the edge and, and, uh, uh, just doesn't let a guy buy you. You're going to, you're going to take him down. And you love corners with that kind of attitude. So, uh, I think this is a steal when you throw him, uh, what is Cat Caval, Legend Cavalos? Yeah, uh, another kid that I just recently watched the film. You throw those two together, you got a couple of big corners, uh, you know, and you—that's uh, yeah, what you want to go to war with. You have got all these big receivers running around out there. You got to have bigger corners, and these guys fill the bill. It's it's really it's exciting, big- especially when you're when you're thinking about the fact that Okuda. You know, you don't even bring it up because. You know what he's going to say, but we also know what he's going to do. You know, he's he's going to be the number one corner in the draft. Uh, uh, recently we saw where he was compared to Jalen Ramsey, who is there a better corner in the National Football League than, than him. Uh, and I think the comparison fits. Just a big athletic guy that can run. Uh, and Okuda is probably going in. Sean Wade. Is playing great football. Another big kid, uh, the, the the slot uh, position fifth defensive back has become just crucial uh, because of the way the game's played now. You're usually going to see three splits out there, and uh, you got to have a guy who can line up on that slot play man coverage, but he's also got to be able to come up and and play the run. So uh, I just I'm hoping we're going to keep up. Keep hold of uh, of Wade. I'm just I'm just not uh, holding my breath. So having these two guys come in is huge.
1: Plus Clark Phillips, who was more your classic speed corner, but has just been a tremendous prospect. The idea of adding those three guys in the class—Cavazos, Phillips, and Watch—is just tremendous. I for one do not think Sean Wade will be back with Ohio State next year. I could see him being a top fifteen pick. So I know I've made hyperbolic statements before. I would want him on my team. Dwayne, this is the BM5, and we do cover recruiting, so we're going to have to talk about running backs quickly. One interesting development that's kind of been percolating up here is I think Ohio State is happier with Marcus Crowley and especially Steele Chambers than they thought they might have been, given the way Master Teague has performed and everybody's relative youth. I mean, everyone knows J.K. is gone after this year. I do think the pressure to add two running backs in the class of 2020 has gone away. But the pressure to even add a running back in the class of 2020 could have gone away. What if they don't get one? How would you feel about that?
0: I'm fine with it. After seeing these guys, I'm fine with it. I just did not see, steel as, as, after his junior year, the film, I was like, why are we even talking to this kid, putting it in his head that he can be a running back here? I just wasn't that impressed with the running back. I was hugely impressed. It's a linebacker. And I said, well, that's what they're thinking about, that he'll come up here and he'll say, Coach, I'm tired of sitting. And then they'll say, hey, you can play linebacker here anytime you want. You're on the depth chart where you belong as running back. But this kid is really running the ball well. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a true freshman, and and uh, we got the same thing with Crowell. Uh, and T would be, you know, even the announcing team uh, a couple of weeks ago said that he would be starting it most other places around the country. So I don't think, here's what I think should be a basic etched-in-stone philosophy, not just for Ohio State, but for other really elite schools. Don't reach. Don't go get a guy to fill a slot. You you need a body. Just don't reach. And that's what I think is going on here. They're looking around, and they're saying, who is going to play here in front of Crowley or Steel Chambers? And they're saying, I don't know, I can't, I don't see the guy, and just a lukewarm reception of the last two backs they brought in. It, I just, it looks like there's, that's the thinking: is we got our we got our uh, running back room, and uh, we can look elsewhere. You know, maybe there's another. We want another body somewhere else where we can get a real talent that could play here. So I think that's what's going on. I'm not going to be surprised at all if we don't take a back. Yeah,
1: and then you're going to have the transfer portal after the year. And running back is the kind of position where I think you can come in and hit the ground running, even if they're not recruited for a long period of time, so. I actually tend to agree with the way they're doing things. You don't want to bring in a guy here who's just going to be a body and is going to get recruited over and be passed on the depth chart 18 months after he gets here. No need for that. We do have a need for another win. Ohio State gets back into action Friday night in Chicago or in Evanston against Northwestern, 8:30 kickoff. Everybody is fearful of this game largely because of the loss to Purdue on Friday night last year. However, this is not Purdue from last year. Not, this is definitely not even Northwestern from last year that we took out in the title game. Northwestern is 1-4. Their 1-1 came against UNLV. That was the only team they could get their offense going against. They scored 7 points against Stanford, 10 against Michigan State, 15 against Wisconsin, and only 10 against Nebraska and a 13-10 loss. The spread is getting, is getting up there. I just looked at it. 28.5 points. Do you give Northwestern any chance in this game? Do you see any possibility for some kind of letdown or a Purdue redux?
0: I just don't. I because uh, I saw a couple of people talking about
1: this being
0: the upset game. This is they predicted Ohio State's record. They predicted it with one loss, and they predicted that it would be Northwestern, including our own Steve Welfong. He decided. I saw him. I saw it come out of his mouth that uh, Northwestern was the was the upset game for the Buckeyes. Uh, so I watched him a couple of times. And they just kind of fumble around out there. I'm not surprised they're one and four. It's not a very good team. It's They don't have the skill guys. Uh, they play hard and they're well coached. I mean, if, if Pat Fitzgerald was not a Northwestern alum, he would have gotten a bigger job. He, he just deserves it. He's that good a coach. But this is where he wants to be and he's happy and he takes what he can get and gets the most out of it. But they're just not a very good team. They're not good enough at quarterback. I don't see a, a back or a receiver that could really hurt us. You, know, you looked at Purdue, and uh, they, they had at least one receiver that uh, is a sure NFL player. I just don't see them. I don't see anybody for Northwestern that can have the same kind of impact. That uh, that uh, Moore did with uh, with Purdue. So no, I'm not I'm not real worried about this one. Uh, I think we still got to deal with uh, Wisconsin and Penn State, and those are going to be the big games. Those are the ones that are going to vault us into the playoffs with wins there. That's going to impress everybody that uh, is involved in the decision making process. We're not going to lose this game. No.
1: Yeah, Hunter Johnson, the quarterback at Northwestern, is the Clemson transfer, a highly recruited kid, and was thought to be their salvation. He's completing just over 50% of his passes, and one touchdown and four interceptions. You put his statistics next to Justin Fields, and it doesn't even look like they're playing the same sport. So I would agree. I don't think Northwestern has the firepower to get this done. As you mentioned, Rondell Moore will not be suiting up for Northwestern, which uh, is definitely a good thing. We appreciate Dwayne stopping by. You've been locked in, Buck Snutters. Have a good one.